welcome to this channel this is my first podcast ever on this platform anchor.fm thank you so much for a lovely platform shout out if you ever want to start a podcast i would recommend this uh anchor.fm very lovely stuff uh i'm michael samanya suvi a ugandan by nationality and an african by originality uh african being african to me means a lot it means more than being anything else because that is the ubuntu for me that is where ubuntuism comes in for me uh the reason for starting this podcast is to have a platform where i can express myself but also discuss the things that are on my mind you know and uh it's important to note that there's a lot of things out there to discuss but i want to concentrate on everything afro everything uh that is within the african diaspora the afro the original afro land which is africa and all the people that lie within that context so yeah feel free to listen in and have the fun of your life but also remember to take some of the things serious uh i've been procrastinating on when to begin but i'm here now so at the moment i want to make it a little bit about the current affairs and what caused the sense of urgency uh as you might hear later on is the fact that um there's a political transition in my country and my country being Uganda which is in East Africa and I'm a child of the soil born in Kamuli the Busoga region uh next to the source of the river Nile by a few kilometers the source is in Jinja uh but that's that's uh that's something you just need to know uh about me as an individual so diving into the political situation in Uganda for those of us who get the opportunity to listen to this podcast i would li- I, i'm just going to try to give us a bit of a background on uh, what or who the character of Uganda is Uganda is um like i mentioned alien east african country it's landlocked uh on the on the left on the left we have DRC Congo up above we have uh, South Sudan and on the right if you're looking at the map of the world or the map of Africa uh, on the right we have Kenya below us we have Tanzania and on other countries next to us is uh, Rwanda and Burundi by proxy which happens to also be in the East African Federation or the East African bloc if i may call it that Uganda is made up of over 56 tribes uh and they st- they keep growing uh in number reason being every group that manages to establish itself can always get autonomy when it comes uh to 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 Uganda so we have an opening uh today if uh, japanese people decided that they wanted to get a tribe in Uganda i'm sure they would get one that is also part of uh, 
the politics in Uganda, you know. It's part of how the government has managed to stay in power for this long, 35 years. So, the history of Uganda in itself is really uh, mired in a lot of violence, as it is. And I know many people want to deny the fact that uh, Uganda has also had its fair share when it comes to violence. But I'm here to dispute all of those things because I want to be a little bit realistic with everything about Uganda. And reason being that my country has the ability to be a powerhouse. From the time Uganda gained its independence, you know, uh, from from the colonial British rule, which was from 1894 to 1862. Uh, the early independence was actually 1962. That's the earliest independence, you know, all the way to 1971. That's the, the independence period for Uganda and the transitions and all the things. Now, we claim to be independent. But up to date, we are still depending on foreign aid for all the things we need. And our government has adamantly decided that they want to own everything and everything has to be focused on the first family. The army, uh, the richest people in the country, uh, the, the president and the wife who is a minister as well. Uh, it's not that there are no people with potential, but this is how the politics in Uganda is run. So, uh, this country here is a little bit of a dilemma for me as an individual. Why is it a dilemma? Uganda has the, be the most beautiful outlook on the constitution, but the violation of the constitution is rather amazing. It's very, very amazing. From pre-colonial uh, Uganda, we were known to be fair people. We were known to be uh, lovely, entertaining people, all the tribes. And that is to mention all the, fifth, the at least the original tribes in Uganda. Um, we have the Basoga, the Waganda, the Wagwe, Acholi. To mention, the list is endless. Trust me, the list is endless of the tribes in Uganda. So, the dilemma comes in. We've transitioned from independence to owning our own country. That's the beginning. But our own country uh, is already divided deeply because of the tribes, politically. It doesn't mean that people are busy fighting all the time. No. It means that we all have ideologies and norms that we hold and think about to be different. Where am I beginning with this introduction? Tribalism for me, is a vice that has been used to divide and rule Ugandans. That's why on all accounts, I want to keep it very, very straight and honest. No Ugandan should fight another Ugandan because of what the current regime is doing. What is the current regime? Under Yoweri Kaguta Museveni, who recently uh, added a new name called Tibahavurwa, which means the one who does not get cancelled or the one who is not cancelled he knows everything in other words this 
for me, the, the name change was just a transition into showing you that he's now going full-scale dictatorship. Current situation, the political situation in Uganda. Simply put, you have someone who says this is the free and fair election. And this very person decides on all accounts to imprison other political candidates in the name of they're not following the SOPs. But when you look at the evidence of the people at his rallies, who are probably mostly paid to be there, uh, or just gathered around the corner and given t-shirts to just march and have processions, uh, the whole thing is orchestrated. Because when you look at the reality, uh, the president of Uganda, with all due respect, has run out of favor when it comes to Ugandans. And this is why. I don't hate the person of Museveni Yori Kabuta. I've never met him. I don't know if I want to. That's up to whatever life brings in my way. I don't know if I'm interested, though. Because I've heard him preach the things that he will never do. I've listened to his manifestos since I was a child. And these things never, ever come to pass. Um, so I am done and out of, 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 of the ship. That ship for me has sailed. Uh, I want to clap and say, oh, he's a great man. No, he's not. Uh, someone who has been in power for 35 years and only thinks that he's the only person who has the ability to lead a country. He's not a leader. He's a ruler. There's a difference. Enters VSJ, who was his personal doctor, since time immemorial, since they were in the war together to redeem Uganda, they came in as liberators until he was the president. When he became the president, all the old guard, the people that came in from the bush with him, have been either killed or they are no longer serving in the army. What does that mean? He's standing on his own. What is he trying to do then? He's trying to usher in the era of his son taking over the country. Uganda is going to become the United Kingdom of Uganda. Or the dictatorship or the kingdom of Muhozi and Museveni. That is a dangerous thing. Why am I saying this? We cannot claim the word republic and adamantly or outrightly trample what we call democracy. I will repeat that. Democracy always requires that there is a free and fair election. You don't have to pay for it. It has to be fair. And when we divide or discuss or dissect the idea of governance and politics, we are going to focus on the ideas that form a government. The government is usually formed by the people, for the people. Remember that, by the people, for the people. The electoral, pre-electoral violence that broke out recently just signaled something. The people of Uganda are exhausted and tired of the autocracy that has been um, perpetuated by the government of Uganda. People are tired of that. Okay, uh, when it comes to negotiations and talking to, to the government, or every complaint that you file or put across is outrightly falling on adamant ears. Why am I telling you this? 
the country of Uganda, a soulful country as it is, has ushered in an era which is going to outright dictatorship, curfews upon curfews, and corona, the corona pandemic has also ushered in uh, the excuses called the SOPs, you know, as the pro- president is busy campaigning and arresting other candidates, saying no, people should not actually campaign because there are too many people are at the rallies and uh, people are getting infected. So the international community should be ready for inflated numbers from Uganda so that the president can actually have a reason to lock away all uh, can have the reason or an excuse to lock away all the, the supposed opposition leaders. Case in study, Chagulanyi Robert, aka Bobby Wine, uh, artist turned politician, soulful person, widely favored. If there was free and fair elections in Uganda, this would be the candidate that wins the election. There is another group of goons called Silent Majority, but all they're doing is buy off, uh, buy off votes. What does that mean? <laughs> that is the funny part about everything in Uganda. However, Robert Chagulanyi was arrested a few days ago and there was widespread violence in the country. Why? Because it is outrightly unfair that other candidates, like the president himself, keep campaigning while the widely favored opposition member is in prison. What does the government do? Fast forward, the government jumps onto a killing spree. If you look at the international numbers, Uganda has only lost about 158 people. I'm not having the numbers right. But in the past 48 hours, the government of Uganda managed to kill over 30 people and still counting or at least those are the ones that we saw or those are the ones that were reported armed people walking on the street uh, like as if it's a war zone uh, people in normal clothes not the army attire not the police attire you know normally you identify and say that's the policeman he's telling me to do this so I'll do it and obey uh, you know what they call law and order you have to obey if you want to survive but that has not been the case. There are people who are actually carrying out clandestine work and they're busy shooting people and shooting at people at buildings. Evidence is there. You won't see it because probably the internet is being man- manipulated. Let's get something right. The liberator in Yoweri Kaguta Museveni is long gone. And for all of those that are waiting for him to liberate Uganda, you are lying to yourself. Why am I saying this? By the time a man has the ability to order, shoot to kill in the streets where everyone is watching. I have seen the gruesome photos and pictures of people's limbs that have been um, destroyed. I've seen the gruesome photos of people being shot through, you know, someone shoots you and the bullet goes through your head or your mouth or whatever it is. Very gruesome indeed. Uh, Mothers are dying. Children are dying because of uh, this ambitious person who feels like he owns the country. And so that brings me to the next point. 
logically speaking, shoot to kill should not be for the people or against the people. And I'm not going to advocate that people go out in the streets and riot and do all these things because you're calling death upon yourself. But however, I'm welcome to options. I'm welcome to listening to all the information that is going to be passed on and the feedback that will come from this. Why am I telling you this? It's important to understand that from a colonial perspective, Museveni is fully out there operating as an Afro-colonial. An Afro-colonial is, is just a replica of the old colonialist. What does it happen? Or how does it happen? An Afro-colonial picks from the book the tricks that were used. Museveni even had to go as far as buying vehicles from South Africa, the vehicles that were used in the apartheid era, to keep on pushing the protesters and manhandling them, you know? Widely in Uganda, it's almost illegal to have a gun unless you're related to the forces or to the first family or to an army agency or whatever it is. But when I see or look out on the streets and I see someone smartly dressed, tucked in with a tie and going around and shooting people, what does this mean? What does this mean for us as a country? What does this mean for Africa in general? Because Museveni is considered the strong man of Africa at the moment. You know, with all his experience, with all, uh, all his politicking, he's considered the strong man of Africa. However, don't you think it is time for change? Don't you think it's a moment that the impunity that Museveni claimed to be fighting at a certain point is now the impunity that he's actually executing. Don't you think that we have transitioned from a dictatorship to another dictatorship? Don't you dare to think at least a little bit that blaming a Ugandan who is throwing a stone out of frustration is stupid enough and you don't point the fingers or you don't blame the armed forces that are blatantly shooting at these civilians. Even those that are in their homes, even those that are standing next to the road, even those that are in offices. I've seen a video of someone being shot at in their office or in their home. Tell me. That's up to you to think. There are so many NRM or Musevenists or Museveni apologists out there who are going to claim that it's okay because they're keeping law and order. But if I may ask, if the civilians, if you are not arrested wrongfully, by the way, arrested Robert Chakulani, aka Bobby Wine, uh, the flag bearer of NUP, which is the Uganda, the National Unity Platform, you know. If you had not arrested him and he had the same rights as Museveni, would there be a problem? Where are the pressure groups then? I would like to direct this to a position of trying to be neutral, but I'm a bit biased. Why am I saying, why am I telling you this? As a person who has grown up in a religious circle, I've seen the awfully, awfully dreaded silence of religious leaders in Uganda. 
I'm not going to get into which religion is right or wrong or who has the right to worship or not. That's not my business. Okay? I That is an individual choice. You have your convictions. I have mine. If you want to follow me, look at my convictions, believe in them, and then you can follow. I'm not going to get into that business of pinpointing who is wrong and who is right. I'll leave that for those that think that religion is going to save Africa. I personally don't think religion is going to save Africa. I think religion is going to put more divisions in Africa. So, our religious leaders are silent. The international community is sending text tigers to Uganda saying, oh, we condemn, oh, we condemn the violence within the strongest terms possible. Partially, this video is to call you out. And partially, it's also to try and put you on this bandwagon. To either start calling for change in Uganda in all the necessary ways, without violence, without harming people in Uganda, which is going to be really hard, frankly speaking, because the president of Uganda is not going to leave Uganda peacefully, as he has demonstrated. It is already known that uh, in previous elections he has lost more than twice but has decided to rig the elections heavily by the way with all the goons and all his antics including imprisoning and holding hostage all the electoral commissioners you know therefore you have a role to play as the international community you have a role to play in whatever capacity you have. Cause awareness about the situation in Uganda. But also, don't forget, if you're from the Afro communities of this world, that Uganda could be your home. Africa is your home. And therefore, for me, I'm transitioning from trying so hard to divide what is African or what belongs to the Afro people. Because I feel like we have a bigger force when we stand together. These dictatorships in Africa also have an implication. Africa is supposed to be home for everyone, not just a few people, you know. And therefore, I'm calling upon everyone, every individual in the diaspora that will get to listen to this message, every individual in the diaspora that will get the opportunity uh, to kind of share with my align themselves with my thoughts or my thinking to try hard use your platforms your social media to cause awareness about the situation in Uganda that's the first thing you can do second thing is let's support the opposition in Uganda let's support them let's support them with resources let's support them morally but let's avoid violence let's avoid tribalism let's avoid fighting each other Ugandans are not enemies towards each other. There is one family, one person that feels they own the country. Uganda is a republic. It's not a monarchy. So it's important that we also state those things and keep them clear even as we struggle or drive ourselves towards uh, the change that we want to see. As I come to the end of this podcast, my very first podcast, I would like to understand from you or hear from you. What do you think the situation in Uganda 
shows overall about African politics. And I would also like to keep it a little bit straight. What do you think the future of Uganda is looking like? In, in Museveni's, under Museveni's leadership, do you think Uganda stands the opportunity to be developed? Do you think Uganda stands the, the chance to start competing economically just like all the other regional countries? Do you think or feel at a personal level as a Ugandan, as a citizen of this world, do you think that shooting out at people is a way to cause democracy, even when you claim it is democracy, but we know it's a dictatorship? I would like so much to thank you for taking time to listen to me. And I'm going to urge everyone to avoid violence, especially those at home. Please avoid violence. Violence is not a solution. Violence is the reason why we are where we are. That's the first thing. Secondly, I'll keep condemning the spirit of tribalism. Yes, I know that there is a regional imbalance, that certain regions are richer than other regions in Uganda because of the favors and the nepotism and the tribalism itself. But we do not want to have a genocide in Uganda. We have one aim at the moment. As the elections and coming closer, we have to gear up, get ready to go and vote. Keep your family safe. Uh, love those that are loving you. Avoid your enemies. It's very important that you avoid them, especially in such a sensitive time. And don't go making foolish decisions trying to fight the police. One of the ministers, or who, the, the, I forget her name, uh, Lumumba, yes, she should be a heavyweight in, uh, in the NRM, which is the National Resistance Movement, the leading party in Uganda at the moment. She warned us, she said, she made it clear that the government will kill your children. This is a public officer. However much they are tied to the party of NRM, when you come out and you blatantly, broad daylight, tell people that the government is going to kill their children or the regime will kill their children, what do you think about all of this? Do not get killed. The Uganda we are fighting for, or the Uganda we are praying for, or the Uganda, whatever in, whatever we're doing for this Uganda, is better off with you in it. Okay? That's the first thing. Stay around to celebrate the victory. However, I like to copy one of those lines from the, from the movie. Live to fight another day. Please and please, let's avoid that. Unless it's self-defense when people attack you and you know you have to defend yourself, please stay away from the violence. And I would like to caution all the people that are socially detached from the reality of what is happening in Uganda and they feel that they are overly spiritual to be concerned with the political state of Uganda. And I've refused to use their voices to speak out against the atrocities in Uganda. But when it comes to asking for tithe and offering, they raise their microphone volumes, they raise all they come up with all the tagging and the taglines and all the marketing terms to ask for money from the people they are not speaking up for. I would like to caution you that in whatever religion you're in or whatever capacity as a leader, we are watching you and we're going to hold you accountable 
for your silence. Because in the end, we might forget the, the noise of our enemies, but we shall not forget the silence of our friends and our leaders. So, use your platforms then to make sure that you encourage Ugandans to vote and remember to tell them to be peaceful because that's very crucial. Encourage Ugandans to keep their heads straight because we are walking into a period where we need to use our heads and think. What is the best thing for Uganda? And to those that are condemning each other because they feel other people are more than others and this and that, let's forget the cherry picking at the moment. Let's focus on the mission at hand, which is change in Uganda. Non-violence, remember that Robert Chagulani has emphasized a number of times and said non-violence. Let's stick to non-violent means to take out the regime that is so violent. Because if we use violence at the moment, we are going to end up repeating our history. Please, to all the Ugandans, my plea is non-violence. Get ready to vote. You know who you're voting for. I won't tell you vote for Museveni or for Chagulani. I will vote for Chagulani. Robert Chagulani. That's my candidate. If you want to vote for Museveni, feel free. As for me, I have jumped off that boat. Thank you so much for listening in. And I'm asking that we keep in touch. And I'm asking that we love each other as Ugandans. Let's protect each other and protect the spirit that binds us, the spirit of Uganda. Not Uganda Waraji. It could also be a spirit. Anyway, have a good day and stay safe. Keep loving your families.